From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The voice of a changing world, Chris Smith, on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program and to the start of a new week on the Chris Smith Show. It's good to have your company. If you don't know it by now, well, I'm going to tell you anyway, we are streaming video. And we're streaming video on just about every conceivable video streaming site on the planet. So I won't go through them all. But uh, if you normally listen to TNT Radio, fabulous. Good to have you on board. But you can now watch our shows. You can watch our hosts. You can watch most of our guests and our commentators and even our news live on TNT Radio dot live just use the website if you like you can go to the app if you use the app go to the little ladder on the top left hand corner press that and you'll see watch live you can use it through youtube facebook rumble odyssey and just about 30 other platforms and uh, your radio becomes visual voila well cop 28 is well and truly underway in dubai and we've had all kinds of trillion-dollar promises on renewables and also in the last 24 hours on nuclear energy. But it's not all been plain sailing. With the president of the summit, I can't take the smile off my face. I'm so sorry. I can't because I love this. The president of the summit has come under fire for saying, if the world phases out fossil fuels, we'll be all living in a cave. Now, he used a little bit of an exaggeration to underline the point, but that's okay. You understand what he's trying to say. But the delegates at COP28 did not. They won't take any of that common sense. Oh, no. When it comes to any of these COP meetings, you don't question the science, not even one aspect of the science. You can't. And the French president has rightly beaten up on Australia. I love this for not lifting a ban on nuclear power. Well done to Emmanuel Macron. Australia deserves that and more. But we'll get to those details shortly on the program. My special guest today, well, I've got three special guests, but let's start with the one I've got this hour. Live streaming video journalist Corinne Clifford will be on the program. Got a stack to talk about. We must talk about the resumption in bombing in the Gaza Strip, now dedicated and focusing on the south. And where now to for Ukraine? We seem to forget about this. Don't let it become the forgotten war. Then there's the trickle of information still related to the assassination of JFK and COP28 fear-mongering. We'll talk to Corinne about all of that and more. From down under today, the strident radio icon, Alan Jones from ADH.TV. He will wind up and let them all have it today. Um, There are endless promises that have come out of COP28 that I think everyone in the world should be extremely concerned about, and Alan has got something to say about that. There are new detention laws before the Australian Parliament suggesting that we lock up criminals we think may misbehave. Now, the last I understood it, under common law, you only locked up someone when they committed a crime. 
And if they were a foreign entity, you could lock them up because they're not supposed to be in the country, but not indefinitely, according to the High Court. But there seems to be some intention by the Parliament at the moment to lock everyone up indefinitely. We'll get to the bottom of all of that. Is there a possibility that the former Treasurer of Australia, Josh Frydenberg, will be returning to politics? There are signs that he could. And Alan also wants to have something to say on the celebration of 70 years behind the golden microphone for another icon of media in Australia, John Laws. Now, not all are being so kind um, about John celebrating 70 years on air, but what do you expect from the bullies? And that's their game. They love it. We'll hear what Alan has to say about racking up 70 years. And well done to John Laws for doing so. And from the state of Victoria, Upper House Liberal MP, we've got Renee Heath on the program today. We'll talk about floods in the eastern part of Victoria, state care, a dramatic and alarming story today, neo-Nazis on the streets of Victoria, hello, and another tough night in public view for Chairman Dan Andrews. It's almost as if the former world record holder of COVID-19 lockdowns can't go anywhere in public without being shirt fronted. I like the idea of that. Plus the talkback lines. They are all systems go, Virgil. It is your chance to let our global audience know exactly what you think on any topic whatsoever, not just the ones that we talk about on the program. You set the agenda. We're very happy for you to do that. And you can do so from the United States and Canada on 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-10026. And from Australia or New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. They are our numbers. Jump on that talkback line and have your say. You're with Chris Smith. We're broadcasting live on the global news talk network, TNT Radio. Live. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society, and I am fed up with it. Today's news talk radio, TNT. Well, the climate evangelists from right across the world thought they were arriving in Dubai late last week in their CO2 emitting private jets, of course expecting to break new green ground in this oil-rich nation. There was an intention to have the next COP in Dubai, the oil capital of the world. What an ideal opportunity it would be, they thought, to force the Saudi oil barons to sit up and take notice, to force them into some kind of climate submission, to convince them of their evil ways via their fossil fuel mega corporations. But the climate zealots and the global boiling doomsayers have, well, they got a rude shock uh, when news spread during the first day of the summit that the man leading COP28 had grave doubts about a key aspect of the alleged climate science. My goodness, no one questions the science when you turn up to a COP. I must say, as someone who sees this period of our history, as it will be shown to be, as being the most destructive time for our living standards and economies due to this blind adherence to climate fear-mongering, this fills me with so much pride, so much joy, I can't explain it to you. Uh, finally, someone embedded in the um, climate boiling tent is speaking genuine common sense, is looking at the science and exposing the holes. 
And while the planet might be warming, there is such scant scientific evidence, apart from suspect models, that ridding ourselves of fossil fuels will change the temperature of the planet. Uh, if that's, of course, what we need to do. What we can trust in, though, is the fact that by phasing out fossil fuels, we cannot build the world our population requires to exist, especially not in third world countries, and we will wipe out our wealth for zero benefit. We won't be changing the temperature of the planet. And so cue the president of COP28, Sultan Al-Jaber, who has maintained before COP28 even began that there is no science indicating that a phase-out of fossil fuels is needed to restrict global heating to 1.5 degrees Celsius. In fact, he spoke about what really will happen if we eradicated fossil fuels. He said it would take the world back to living in caves. Al Jaber is also the chief executive of the United Arab Emirates state oil company, Adnoc, which makes him a global energy power broker. He made his thundering statements 12 days ago. They've only been released during day one of COP28 in an online meeting with a panel of climate activists, including Mary Robinson from Ireland, the chair of the Elders Group and a former UN Special Envoy for Climate Change. Here he was answering a request from her to ensure that COP28 ratifies an agreement to phase out fossil fuels worldwide. I'm not in any way signing up to any discussion that is alarmist. I am here factual and I respect the science. And there is no science uh, out there or no scenario out there that says that the phase out of fossil fuel is what's going to achieve 1.5. 1.5 is my North Star. And a phase down and a phase out of fossil fuel, in my view, is inevitable. It is essential, but we need to be real, serious, and pragmatic about it. Please help me, show me a roadmap for a phase out of fossil fuel that will allow that will allow for socio, for sustainable socio-economic development, unless you want to take the world back into caves. Back into caves. What a refreshing change for someone running one of these climate change summits. No climate alarmism for the president of this year's anti-CO2 summit. Oh, no. This is shaping as a very feisty and argumentative climate talk fest, as you can see. Uh, the man who penned the term global boiling, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, described Al Jaber's comments as incredibly concerning and verging on climate denial. All the climate zealots have reacted with horror at his comments. Bill Hare, the chief executive of Climate Analytics, said... This is an extraordinary, revealing, worrying and belligerent exchange. It's verging on climate denial. They even beat up their retorts. Uh, Professor Sir David King, the chair of the Climate Crisis Advisory Group and a former UK chief scientific advisor, said, it is incredibly concerning, not concerning, incredibly concerning and surprising to hear the COP28 president defend the use of fossil fuels. It is undeniable that to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, we must all rapidly reduce carbon emissions and phase out the use of fossil fuels by 2035 at the latest. The alternative is an unimaginable future for humanity. 
but they are all clearly at odds with those running this year's Dubai event because the Guardian reports today that a spokesperson for COP28 said this, the IPCC 1.5 Celsius scenarios clearly state that fossil fuels will have to play a role in the future energy system, albeit a smaller one. See the common sense? Not black or white, not absolutism, which the Greens love to adopt, a little bit of shade of grey. The COP president was quoting the science, said the statement, and leading climate experts. He was clearly said that the oil and gas industry must tackle scope one and two emissions from their operations, must invest in clean energy and clean technologies to address scope three emissions from burning fuels, and that all industry must align around keeping the North Star of 1.5 Celsius within reach. And then this rebuke from the organisers of COP28, the Arabs. Listen to this. Once again, this is clearly part of a continued effort to undermine the COP presidency's tangible achievements and a misrepresentation of our position and successes to date. This might be the first ever COP summit where those running the event were, were at loggerheads with all those international leaders and green groups who turned up thinking they were about to you know, sing beautiful music together in unison and achieve enormous groundbreaking fossil fuel industry bans. Yes, there has already been an agreement among 120 countries to triple the amount of renewable investment by the end of the century. A similar decision has been made on nuclear energy as well, which is a good thing, by the way. But any major consensus on phasing out fossil fuels, which is the holy grail this year, Looks like it's a very long shot. This is TNT Radio. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, Certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teen It's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. If you're still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Just before we get to Corinne Clifford, I do want to update you on what's happening, not necessarily in the Gaza Strip, but in the Gulf. A US warship, the USS Kearney, has come under attack in the Red Sea while trying to assist one of two commercial vessels, which is at risk of sinking 
after being targeted by Iran-backed drones and a missile. Now, with tensions in the region, Houthi rebels announced they had attacked two commercial vessels in the Bab al-Mandeb Strait, south of the Suez Canal on Sunday. Yemeni Armed Forces spokesman Yahya Sari said the targeting of the two Israeli ships came in implementation of the directives of Abdul Malik Badar al-Din al-Houthi and in response to the demands of our people and the free people of our nation to stand with Palestine. He named the targeted vessels as the Unity Explorer, uh, which was attacked with a naval missile. The second ship was number nine, a container ship sailing under a Panama flag, which was heading north, having departed Singapore recently. He didn't make any mention of the USS Carney. Now, Al-Arabia has reported Israel has sent various naval vessels and a submarine to the area after the attacks, with one ship reported the risk of sinking after suffering severe damage. The strait is a narrow major arterial waterway just off the Yemen coastline. The USS Kani has previously intercepted drones and missiles, believed to have been launched by the Houthi forces in recent weeks. Last Wednesday, foreign ministers of G7 countries called for the Houthis' attacks to cease the threats to maritime navigation. Now, on Sunday, the Houthis claimed responsibility for the attacks on two ships, but made no mention of the Kani, which the Pentagon and the US Department of Defence said was in the area and had come under attack from a drone. Now, while the US authorities are still assessing information, it is understood the first vessel, the UK-registered bulk carrier Unity Explorer, was attacked by a missile just before sunrise local time on Sunday. It then sent a distress call and the USS Kearney responded and headed towards it. The USS Kearney then shot down at least one drone, which was launched and heading in its direction an American defense official said. We're aware of reports regarding attacks on the USS Kearney and commercial vessels in the Red Sea and will provide information as it becomes available. That's from the Pentagon, who told the Associated Press. Now, maritime authorities had on Sunday issued red alerts to ships in the area, warning of the two incidents. The United Kingdom Maritime Trade Operations Agency reported drone activity and a potential explosion just after 600 hours originating from the direction of Yemen. They want to get involved in whatever's occurring in Gaza. At 9.2800 hours, there were reports of an attack by a drone. Then at 12.30, there was an incident where an entity declaring itself to be Yemeni authorities is ordering a vessel to alter course. Another monitoring group, Ambury said the first attack occurred around 35 nautical miles off the Yemeni coast and the Unity Explorer had issued distress calls about a piracy and missile attack. Now, these attacks on vessels in the Red Sea and also the Gulf have continued uh, since about six weeks ago. They've been ongoing, uh, but the latest attacks uh, do threaten the... uh, the safety and security of that region and the possibility that fighting could break out between Yemen and those United States carriers. All right, following the 60th anniversary of President John F. Kennedy's assassination, it's clear that most Americans 
still question the official government narrative, which is understandable that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone assassin. Uh, and given our experience of governments and politicians lying blindly to us, why should we trust them regarding JFK? My next guest interviewed a man last month giving a deathbed confession that he killed President Kennedy. His name is James Files. He started off his life as a cold-blooded assassin for the mafia and eventually moved to work with the CIA. My next guest will discuss her recent interview with him and much more. Corinne Clifford is a highly accomplished and very versatile freelance journalist based in Washington, D.C. She's pioneered the field of video journalism known as Active IRT in real time, focusing on capturing real events as they unfold live and without any editing. Corinne's innovative approach has garnered international attention and she previously created a YouTube channel with over 1 million subscribers. However, her YouTube account was banned and lost due to medical misinformation charges regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. She was telling too much that may have been too close to the truth. Corinne Clifford, welcome to TNT Radio. Thank you so much, Chris. I'm so grateful to be on your show again. Thank you very much for being there. Before we discuss James Files' deathbed confession, I, I wouldn't mind your thoughts on what I had to say at the start of the show regarding the COP28 president's comments on a certain aspect of climate science. Has climate change alarmism reached peak stupidity now that even the COP28 president is being lambasted for trying to question an aspect of the climate science? Yes, of course. I mean, this is a multi billion dollar industry and everyone involved, including John Kerry himself, who's the climate czar in the United States of America, they're all making money off of it. They're all flying their private jets. They're all doing everything they possibly can to make as much money as they can off the climate crisis hoax. This is a hoax. There's no climate change. I'm in freezing cold weather in Washington, D.C. Yeah, someone told me that London last night um, felt minus 10. It was actually minus 10 degrees. Um, and isn't it funny? There were uh, Lear jets and private jets about to take off from Munich Airport in Germany, but they couldn't take off because they were iced up. And there they were en route to a warming summit, Corinne. That's what's really hilarious about this. You know, Saudi Arabia has some of the warmest temperatures in the world, and they never had a problem with any type of carbons in the air. Saudi Arabia warmed naturally. This is just the normal course of what happens in the world. The powers that be are doing this to make money off of us and try to control us. They're going to give us limits on where we can drive to, where we can fly to, where we're allowed to go in the, around the world. This is just another way for the globalist elites to find a way to control us. And look what's happened in the past 48 hours. We've had 122 nations agree to tripling renewable energy, despite what the market says. So that means a lot of taxpayers are going to be forking out for subsidies. And then they want to triple nuclear energy as well, which kind of makes sense to me. But you can see what's about to happen, can't you? All of those opportunists have little or two electric light bulbs on top of their heads. 
Yes. Now, listen, this is what's really important is that I've personally met inventors around the world, and I'm sure you have too, and their inventions that could actually give you electricity for free uh, have been completely uh, thrown on the side of the road. No one will invest in them. Their patents don't get accepted. You know, you know what happened to the real Nikola Tesla when he died at the end of his life with nothing. The military in the United States of America took his patents, took everything he created. Nikola Tesla actually found a way to give us free energy. But that's, there's nothing in that for people to make money out of. Exactly. <laughs> The Biden administration, Corinne, announced Saturday that the United States is committed to phasing out coal power plants nationwide and not building new ones. The plan is to be coal-free by 2035. This has got to be an economic suicide plan, doesn't it, for the U.S.? Yes. And the problem is that, you know, the Biden regime, I call it a regime. I don't think that they were fairly elected into office. You know, they are owned uh, by the Chinese Communist Party, journalists in Washington, D.C. and around America have been exposing that the Biden family actually received cash, hundreds of thousands of dollars yep. from different members of the Chinese Communist Party. China wants the monopoly on coal. They want to get rid of the coal in the United States of America. China wants us to be dependent on their energy around the world. And that's what's going on here. The Chinese Communist Party tends to buy off elected officials and world leaders. And China wants to control the energy. Exactly. I've got to take a break for a news update, but I want to come back and talk to you about the Gaza Strip. I also want to discuss James Files, a fascinating, a fascinating chat on his deathbed. We'll do that right after a break on TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Live. This station, the first to broadcast breaking news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. After months of denial, Ukraine's president has admitted for the first time that his country's six-month-long counter-offensive was a flop and he's blaming the West. The mother of a black teenager who brutally beat his female teacher unconscious at a high school in the US is now pleading for the victim to show mercy on her son because he's had a hard life. And Washington says it had no advanced knowledge of Hamas's October 7 attack on Israel. The common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNTradio.live. Now. A couple of quick uh, comments on our chat box, which you can participate in on tntradio.live. Pelly has said, globalist elites using fear-mongering, he's referring to COP28, to try and control the masses. We need to rise up against this BS and fear and regain control of our lives. Uh, another one here um, from Lozzie. Uh, the controllers and governments think we're all stupid and many... Um, fell for it during the scandemic. Well said, Lozzie. Well said indeed. And a few other comments coming in on what we've had to discuss about COP28 already. All right, James Files, Corinne Clifford. James has insisted for decades that he was the grassy knoll 
shooter, now ill and close to death. What did he reveal to you? So James Files um, had a press conference in Dallas, Texas, that I actually traveled to specifically to sit with him. He is on his deathbed. Uh, The woman that he's currently married to is an avid Christian. And so he has really uh, he's trying to make peace with the fact that he's been a mass murderer in his life. He's murdered thousands of people for the American government, for the Italian mafia. And he says that the CIA paid him $30,000 in 1963 via the United Fruit Company to be one of the assassins. But he's saying that he actually shot JFK. He's saying that his bullet is the bullet that actually killed JFK. He says that Lee Harvey Oswald had no idea how to shoot anything. Now, he's saying this with zero regret. You know, when I asked him point point blank, Chris, I said, do you regret? Do you have any remorse for murdering, for assassinating JFK, our beloved president, you know, John Kennedy in 1963? It was like November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas. And James Files said no. And this is what I think is the most intriguing part of the story. Whether you believe James Files or not, there were multiple assassins hired by multiple different groups. And James Files says that he feels no regret for murdering JFK because JFK was a traitor to the United States of America because he allowed Cuba to go to Castro and become communist. And because JFK allowed uh, Khrushchev to take over Russia Uh, because Israel was not allowed to have nuclear weapons uh, because JFK wouldn't allow that. Obviously, JFK wanted to destroy the CIA and the Federal Reserve and the FBI. LBJ, we are told, James James Files says very clearly that the vice president of the United States of America, LBJ, and the top leaders in the United States of America met the night before JFK was assassinated in Dallas, Texas on November 21st, the night before when he was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963, they sat at a dinner party and LBJ sent his mistress. That's Lyndon Bain Johnson, the vice president under Kennedy. And they all talked and they all agreed that they'd each have their own assassins and that they would attempt to assassinate JFK. Now, James Files did this because he really wants the world to know. He feels bad that JFK obviously, uh, you know, was not allowed to see his children. That's the big issue. He feels bad for the children of JFK. Now we're being told that there's a third child of JFK, not JFK Jr., the one that died in the plane crash in Martha's Vineyard. We're being told there's a third child of JFK before Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis married him. Okay, and that child is living in England and or in upstate New York. Isn't that interesting? So the whole story was so intriguing. Yeah, I could just imagine. So we've got to sort of sift between what is true and untrue with what he had to say. What What's your gut feeling after looking at this story for so long and so in depth? What is true and what is untrue? 
So the bottom line is that I'm a boots on the ground, heels on the ground journalist. And I sat there with James Files and his wife for two days. And I looked in his eyes, Chris, and I really talked to him. And then we had a team of experts. We met in a secret location. We invited some other media. Obviously, most media don't care about this topic anymore because once again, the assassination of JFK creates billions of dollars of income. On November 22nd, when we all went to the grassy knoll together just this last month, uh, there were hundreds of people and everyone had their own different version of who actually assassinated JFK. And I talked to everyone. I spent, you know, 48, 72 hours. I spent 72 hours talking to everyone about their different versions. And James Files, I believe, I sat with him. I listened to him. You know, he was a paid mass murderer. He mm. murdered thousands of people for the CIA and the mafia. The mafia, he says, is the only reason that JFK became the president in 1960. And so when JFK turned on the mafia and wouldn't allow them to have Cuba to build their gambling casinos, JFK, they believe, allowed Cuba to go to Castro and become communist. The mafia turned on him. And then JFK and his brother, RFK, ordered the assassination of Marilyn Monroe, according to James Files. James Files told me that was a big issue for him because he had a rule. You don't murder innocent women and children. So he had a code for being the mass murderer that he was. And he is very sorry. And he's very Christian. And he was in prison for 25 years for killing a federal judge. He was never in prison for murdering JFK. But he was in prison for 25 years and he said Jesus Christ visited him in prison. He's written a book, which is very interesting. Of course, you can find it on Amazon. And he's done uh, some very serious soul searching and he is has no remorse and no regret for killing JFK. He believes that traitors to the United States of America, people who allow communism should not exist as leaders. So I thought that was very intriguing. What do you think? Oh, it's intriguing, all right. It's as intriguing as it ever gets. Now, I should remind people that 29 years ago, the FBI said that what James Files was alleging was not credible. I would have thought in more recent times, anything that we hear from the FBI is not credible, Corinne. That is correct. You know, the FBI has has been harassing American patriots in their homes. Just this last month, it was Catholic people who protest abortion. The FBI is going to their homes 5, 6 a.m. in the morning and holding their whole families at gunpoint, uh, searching through their homes, you know, being really vicious. The FBI is supposed to stand up for us in the United States of America. It's not supposed to turn on us. But the bigger issue, Chris, is the CIA. Because according to James Files, the CIA has not changed. And there was another gentleman there who was a specialist. And he he's so old, he could barely talk. His name is Gordon Ferry. And he was explaining that the CIA actually worked with billionaire bankers, which is what we all pretty know still creates the wars in the world. And that's what I'm worried about with this war that's happening in Israel right now. Is it the high-level intelligence agencies getting up? working together with the bankers to make money off of allowing innocent people to be murdered? Yeah, well, a lot of questions are being asked as to how it happened in the first place. That is October 7, because the delay and the fact that they were tipped off a year before 
was all too convenient for mine. Now, more than 6,000 Palestinian children, they say, have been killed in Gaza since uh, the Hamas-led attack on Israel. A spokesperson for UNICEF, James Elder, on Friday condemned the mass killings of children in Gaza, saying, the world cannot see more children with the wounds of war, with the burns, with the shrapnel littering their body with the broken bones, adding, this is a war on children. How do you see this conflict ending, Corinne? I honestly don't think this conflict is going to end. This conflict is very biblical. It's prophesized in the Bible to yep. go on and on and on and actually start World War III, which will lead to one third of the world's population yeah, being I, murdered. I think so, you're right. The United States has shipped approximately 15,000 bombs, including 100 of its 2,000 pound bunker buster bombs since Hamas's October attack on Israel. Meanwhile, uh, publicly, the Biden administration is urging Israel to better protect the Palestinian civilian population in Gaza. The optics don't look good. It's the first time I've ever noticed a United States administration telling an ally who was involved in a war to back off hurting innocent people. Um, I don't know whether that's got to do with the votes that are existent in the US for Biden. Could be. Um, but it's um, fascinating, and I wonder whether the United States will turn on Israel at one stage. The United States is not going to turn on Israel. The United States 100% supports Israel. I'm in Congress talking to congressmen. I was with some congressmen last night, you know, and staff members. The United States of America will not turn on Israel. You know, we help to build Israel. We want Israel. We want Israel to exist. And so... This is going to be a major issue because as you can see around the world, in England, in Australia, everywhere, there are pro-Palestinian protesters mm -hmm. going wild yep. on college campuses, city capitals, everywhere. And so this is a very heated, very emotional issue. I'm actually going to be interviewing a family that's living in Gaza right now. And they've been telling me, I've been messaging them. I haven't talked to them on the phone yet, but I've been messaging with them. And they're telling me that they're living in a, basically, I've been messaging them. I haven't talked to them on the phone yet, but I've been messaging with them. And they're telling me that they're living in a, basically a concentration camp because no country will accept them as refugees. So that's a big issue, Chris, because you would think that like Saudi Arabia or Oman or Jordan or Tunisia or one of these countries, even Libya or Iraq would accept them as refugees and they're not. They're 2.1 million people sitting in Gaza. And yes, children are being murdered. And it's very serious. But, but you and I know the truth of this. You and I know the truth of this. There are no neighbours in the Middle East who are prepared to take large numbers of Palestinians because they create too much trouble when they gather in large numbers. And that's been the history of their gatherings. That is correct. I got attacked in front of the White House by pro-Palestinian protesters. They do get volatile and they do it right when you least expect it. Yep. And they don't respect the United States of America. And they really are not welcome in most countries at this point because they do get violent. And yep. I am not anti anyone, but it's time to really be peaceful. You know, if they enact Sharia law, they're told they'll go to heaven if they murder people like you and me who don't believe in their Muslim religion. Mm.
Whenever I hear that kind of stuff, I think to myself, why have you found yourself in a Western country if that's what you believe? And if that is the world that you prefer to live in. Now, the Turkish president warned on Saturday, Corinne, that the destruction of Hamas is unrealistic, which I think is a fair call. And he called Israel a terror state. Uh, given this strong response, is there a danger that Turkey could be drawn into the conflict? Or if it's not Turkey, could it be someone else? Yes, of course. You know, Turkey's already involved in the conflict. Things happen uh, behind the scenes. Uh, Turkey is fully funding uh, people, the Hamas terrorist group. Turkey's funding the Hamas terrorist group. Probably our high levels of the CIA are funding it. Definitely Iran is funding it. You know, we've got a problem here because the lines are being drawn in the sand of who's really funding the Hamas terrorist group because the globalists, the elitists, they make money off of watching you and me and the people suffer. They make money on creating war. And that's what I'm concerned about, especially around June of next year. Yeah. Can I just ask you in a general sense, uh, from your on-the-ground journalism, from the people that you confer with, and you were saying that you were uh, in the company of congressmen and women recently. What is the public sentiment on vital issues as opposed to the issues we might see in the nightly news on mainstream media? You know, the United States Congress has not really gotten anything done for years and years and years. They introduce a legislation that never really passes, doesn't really do anything important. It's really important that in the United States of America, people understand that the real change has to happen in your town, in your city, in your county, and around the world, in Australia, in England, all the places that you broadcast to, Chris, they have to realize that real change happens locally mm. and it's to focus true. on that. How can our listeners, viewers, um, follow your work, what is the best site to gravitate to? So I'm all over the media. I get very banned and censored. Uh, I'm on X, which is formerly Twitter, under my name, Corinne Clifford. I'm on Telegram under my show, Corinne Unredacted, because I'm unredacted. I'll tell you everything. Yeah. And then I also am the host of the America Happens News, americahappens.com. All right. Fabulous. Um, that's a good tip for our our listeners there. Corinne Clifford, fabulous to get your views on what's happening. The world changes very quickly. No doubt next time we catch up, we'll have uh, other topics to jump on. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Peace, Chris. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you so much, Corinne Clifford. There you go. Um, a journalist that uh, has specialised, I think, active IRT in real time. And she's giving you um, the ways in which you can follow her work, and it's worth following. Great to have her on the program. Now, if you've got something to say about what we've just discussed, I'm sure there are issues related to those opinions that you either agree with or disagree with. Well, let's hear from you. Jump on our talkback numbers. If you're listening in the United States or Canada, let's hear from you on one 201 6425 or in the UK, 033-0024-1026, or from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. Let's take a break and come back with what you think and uh, stack more to tell you about from right around the globe. This is TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris 
leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that there's 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. Around here, bushfire is just a part of life. We've been through it before, and we'll get through it again. The people here all look out for each other. We're a community that does its bit to plan and prepare to keep everyone safe. We live with bushfire, so we live bushfire ready. This is the Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Yeah, there's an interesting topic about why the other countries located and affiliated with the Palestinians in the Middle East, why aren't they taking large numbers of so-called refugees from the Gaza Strip? Can anyone answer that question? Um, Corinne and I have, you know, tentatively agreed in that particular conversation that there is always trouble whenever you have uh, a passionate, uh, often violent group of Palestinians. They cause trouble. That's the history of their gatherings. And have a look at what's happening at pro-Palestinian rallies around the world and attacks on Israelis, etc. Now, they might be passionate about what they believe in, about the fact that they've been imprisoned in the Gaza Strip for so long, and they have every right to argue that point. But there's a way to argue it without resorting to violence. And every time they resort to violence in a Western country, they lose their argument, which is a great pity. It is a great pity that you lose your argument when you turn to violence, but it's true. It is the truth. Now, I want to give you an update on a story I brought you last week, which came out of New Zealand. Now, the update on the story, this um, story was presented by former lawyer and media operative Liz Gunn, and she had got together with a statistician and had tabulated the number of deaths over 120 that were occurring after the last person died in New Zealand of COVID-19-related illness and registered registered a data collection of people who were simply dying and the excess deaths were being tabulated by the statistician. Well, the statistician has come forward with disturbing information, as we know, um, suggesting that the safety of the mRNA vaccination is in question. 
And he provided a government database to Liz Gunn and presented it for all and sundry to see. And what I did last week on the program is that I played you a series of audio grabs from him and from Liz Gunn about the data that they presented on their uh, Rumble site. So something has occurred that has concerned many, many people around the world, including Steve Kirsch, who I've had on the program. Uh, Steve Kirsch posted over the weekend, breaking news, he said, I've just been informed that Liz Gunn has had to flee for her own safety. The whistleblower, whose real name is Barry Young, Barry Young's house is currently surrounded by police who plan to arrest him. The data says Steve Kirsch is legitimate. That's why they are arresting Barry. He's a hero for exposing the truth. So that's what Steve Kirsch said over the weekend. And as we can now update for you, from News Hub in New Zealand, a 56-year-old man has been denied bail. This is the whistleblower. After appearing in court on Monday morning, accused of leaking large amounts of vaccination data online. So they're going for him for revealing the data. But of course, the point about the revelation is the fact that the vaccinations are in great jeopardy. That is, we should be questioning the efficacy of those vaccinations. That was the point of him blowing the whistle. But no, they don't want to hear about his argument. They don't want to know about the maximum deaths that are occurring on a daily basis in New Zealand right up until this point in time, which have um, totaled well over 120. No, they don't want to know about that daily hole of, of, of mortality. They want to get stuck into the whistleblower for revealing the truth. Barry Young was arrested on Sunday and appeared before Wellington District Court Judge Andrew Nichols on Monday. He faces one charge of dishonestly accessing databases with the maximum penalty being up to seven years of imprisonment. He has not entered a plea. A public gallery full of supporters stood and clapped when Young entered the courtroom. Judge Nichols told them off saying, any more disruption and I'll ask you to leave. Even the judge gets upset that the accused is supported the way he was. Young has been denied bail and will be released on bail at 1pm on Tuesday, we're told. And on this particular website, which I'll repeat is News Hub, you can see a photo of the man that I played for you last week who was giving the information to Liz Gunn. It comes after... Uh, and then it just goes in, the story just backtracks into the story that Liz Gunn presented. In the video, the man claimed New Zealand has had a high number of excess deaths since the vaccination rollout. However, data experts say the claim is false, as the accused failed to age standardise the data. Gee, I'd love to have an independent statistician who's not working for the New Zealand government assess what this whistleblower had to say. That's all I would recommend. Now, news from Miami, uh, a former American diplomat who served as US ambassador to, uh, to Bolivia 
has been arrested in a long-running FBI counterintelligence investigation, accused of secretly serving as an agent of Cuba's government, according to Associated Press. Wow, someone from within. Uh, Manuel Rocha. Age 73, was arrested in Miami on Friday on a criminal complaint and more details about the case are expected to be made public at a court appearance on Monday, so sometime in the next few hours, said two people who spoke to AP on condition of anonymity because they were not authorised to discuss the case. One of the people said the Justice Department case accuses Rocha of working to promote Cuban government interests. Federal law requires people doing the political bidding of a foreign government or entity inside the US are to register with the Justice Department, which in recent years has stepped up its criminal enforcement of illicit foreign lobbying. Now, this is interesting. Uh, The Justice Department declined to comment. It was not immediately clear if Rocha had a lawyer and a law firm where he previously worked said it was not representing him. His wife hung up when contacted by AP. So, and in a previous insider, very much a diplomat in the United States government, uh, is in deep trouble about information uh, and support he was allegedly given to the Cuban government. Now, our friend AOC... Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seems to be in a little bit of hot water. Isn't that a pity? Uh, Cortez quickly emerged as a darling of progressive activists, as we know, but the New York Post is reporting um, that she has rankled party leadership and progressive luminaries in the lower chamber, Um, and a story has been released which says that somebody like Obama wants to be seen as being all things to people. Ocasio-Cortez actually thinks she can be all things to all people, um, wrote author Ryan Grimm per a review published by the Daily Mail. Now, there's a book out which uncovers how hated Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is by her own party which is fabulous news if you ask me. Um, This fellow, Ryan Grimm, the author, recounts how the firebrand progressive who unseated 10-term incumbent and Democratic caucus chair Joe Crowley upset top members of the party early on in her career. Early on, she hasn't stopped. In July 2018, the month after AOC beat Crowley in the primary, she met the then House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi who urged the 28-year-old lefty to drop the slogan, abolish ICE. Pelosi believed the phrase targeting US immigration and customs enforcement had been injected into political discourse by the Russians, according to Grimm. He writes that AOC wondered, this is how the leader of the party thinks. Not long after, Ocasio-Cortez won the general election that November. She roiled Democrats with some of her antics, including joining 150 climate activists for a sit-in at Pelosi's office. Nancy would not have been impressed. She believed she could occupy the Speaker's office and have Pelosi appreciate it, according to Grimm. We've got to read this book. Although in public, Pelosi treaded carefully around Ocasio-Cortez, behind the scenes, she made the political uh, woman's life miserable, according to Grimm. 
The amount of time she told me that I have protest signs older than you in my basement, like, yeah, but none don't collect dusk. Dust, Cacio Cortez once told Grimm in a text. Uh, Acacio Cortez touts over 13.2 million followers on X and has a penchant for going viral with far-left hot takes. Nancy Pelosi is not impressed and has told Grimm, who's, of course, published that in a brand-new book. So we look forward to seeing the publication of that book. AOC in trouble. That makes my day. Um... Let's take a break. I'll get you a news bulletin. We'll come back and speak with the one and only Alan Jones and then catch up with Renee Heath, too, from Victoria. Plenty more to come, including your calls, hopefully, on our talkback lines. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio. Listener.